wonderful guest with us today that's going to share with you what we've been talking about sexual trauma but this story is an amazing story a story of triumph and in the midst of adversity this is a story about an individual who left their country to go have a better life because their parent thought it would be best but then whoa wait till you hear you're gonna be in for <laughs> a treat her name is dr. Maloney Hunter she goes by another name but for now, I'll just let you know, Maloney Hunter. She has written some great books. One of her books is called Motivation. Motivation is the key because this book right here is what she has found to help her in the midst of all that she's been going through and has a bunch of quotes. One of the quotes, quote number 52, being strong means rejoicing in yourself with who and what you are. She's also written another book called The Caribbean Twist. I'll let her talk about that a little later, but it captures some of the, what she's been through in her life. So with that being said, I would like to welcome Dr. Maloney Hunter to the Ask Dr. Riley Show. So welcome, Dr. Hunter. How are you? I'm good, thank you. you well, thank you for being here. Thank you for agreeing to share your story. As you know, we've been talking about sexual trauma. And in your words, what do you believe sexual trauma means? Well, it means what I went through. It means what I went through as a child, at a very young age, um, starting at about 11, when my body was not mine anymore. Um, I'm gonna stop you right there. I think that's key. When you say your body is not yours anymore, or your body was not yours anymore, how, what does that, can you tell us what that looks like, what that means to you? What that means is, so I will go back a little to put some backdrop to what that means. So at 10 years old, my mom decided that she was going to send me to another parish in Jamaica to actually where my father's father is, my grandfather. But I say that because my grandma was a step-grandmother. So the care wasn't there as it would be had it been. Um, a maternal grandmother. Mm -hmm. So um, for the years I lived there, um, a lot of domestic abuse happened um, in the course of that time. I happened to be um, with uncles and aunts who were my age. However, my step-grandma <laughs> decided that I would do all the domestic work around the house and not send me to school as my mom wanted for me. Wait, that sounds like a real-life Cinderella story. <laughs> you go live with another family, the mother of the home is not your mother, but uses you to do all the dirty work. That's what it sounds like to me. That's what it was. Mm. So I was getting up to bring the water. So our water would be fetched from the river in containers up to the house for drinking, for cooking, for bathing. Um, when it was time to go to local stores, I was the one who had to go. So when I said my body wasn't mine was when I realized it wasn't because as I walked the streets to go to the store, sometimes dusk would catch me on the street and the young men in the street would just grab me in corners and fondle my body and 
I knew then that, wait a minute, this is not what life is supposed to be. This is not why I'm here. So let me pause but you right there. So at the uh, young, tender age of 8, 11, 10, 11, 10, 11. you were running errands in... Mm -hmm. A country that probably didn't have any street lights. Yes. That didn't have any paved roads. Yes. And you were required to go shopping, do all of these things, and then nighttime fell, mm -hmm. and you were caught out in the street, and strange and men would just grab me, fondle me, kiss me, do whatever they wanted to do, and then I'd have to go home and act as though it didn't happen and know that the next day it would happen again because I'll be sent to the store and it will be dark and I'd had to go through that. I remember one particular incident where uh, this time I was asked to jump on a pickup truck, right? And um, because it was miles away from where we lived, like from one section of the country to another. And I got on the pickup truck and when it was time for me to get off, I knocked on the window and that was indication that I got to where I wanted to be because that's what everybody else did. Mm -hmm. So I was the last person on. The men in the pickup truck decided that they weren't going to let me off. So they started giving me the signals of what they were going to do to me, which was all sexual signals because I'd learned them from other kids or mm -hmm. from other people around me. Can you give us an example? <laughs> sexual... Um, Signals, so they would do like put so their fingers, fingers between. So yeah, we know we know that <laughs> yeah. signal. I think young boys learn that signal really quickly, <laughs> and young women too. That mm -hmm. was the signal. So that was one signal. Is there any other signals that they? Well, learned? there were more, but that's the one that was used that day on okay. that pickup truck. Okay. And um, so I knew what was coming. I've been molested by the other guys on the street. So as the pickup truck sped off to whether take me to where they wanted, because they would have to take me to a location. And it was just, I think it was about four men, grown men. So I decided that I wasn't going to go through this. I jumped off <laughs> that moving pickup truck. Um, I don't know what happened. All I know is when I woke up, there was lots of um, different type of chemicals that people were using to bring me back to life because apparently I had knocked out. They thought I was dead. And it was just a lot of blood around me and people asking, where's her family? Nobody knew where I had family because it was way out from where mm. I was staying. I still have the mark somewhere here mm. because I was sword. I had to get shots um, because the, the bruise had been infected. Um, and so that's where it started. When, um, to get back to your point about why I felt that my body wasn't mine. So not only were, your, um, were you used in a way to assist the family, because you said that you weren't going to school, so you had to take care of the chores, like a Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Then strange men, I'm sure it wasn't the same strange man, it was different strange different men strange that men. would fondle you as you were going to the store doing what the adults in your life told you to do, mm -hmm. right? So then we moved to a situation where it occurred where you found yourself in another situation and the only response you had at such a young age was either stay here or die. Mm -hmm. And so you jumped off of a moving car. And I say die because Anyone knows that when you jump off of a moving car, you're putting your life at jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And so at a tender age, you learned how to make a decision 
that was extremely traumatic. So not only was your body mm -hmm. not yours, you experienced another level of trauma. Yes. Wow. Look, I want to show you something that's really cool. You can touch it, it's okay. Every incident, he got bolder and bolder until one day he was bold enough to take my virginity. She kept asking me the same question over and over. Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a fantasy? Me and my mother no longer have a relationship. That's why Rain plays such a huge part in my life because I get to share my story and I get to empower other people. So I know we were in our talks, we talked about how your mom then um, moved you to Canada. Well, she moved to Canada. Okay. So while I was in that country area, she still lived on, in St. Anne, which is in the north coast of, Saint, of Jamaica, right? So I was in St. Catherine. So um, while I was in St. Catherine where all these incidents were happening and she's thinking that I'm getting the best education because it's better than where I was, these were all the things that were happening to me. Um, I remember even taking showers and um, it was just in the open where males would be passing by, but that's what it was. And again, why I knew my body wasn't mine because not even to take a shower, I had the courtesy of some privacy, right? So then, I started, then I heard while I was there that she migrated to Canada. So I didn't even get to see her leave, which mm. was fine. I mean, back then it was okay. But then while she was in Canada, she migrated over here to the U.S. While let, me, she, let me pause you right there. And the reason why I want to pause you right there is because I think it's important for our viewers to know that what you are experiencing in this other country is not uncommon there are a lot of women in other countries that experience this type of interaction with men because in a lot of countries um, women are seen as less than human or property of men mm -hmm. um, when you go over into the east for example the women there really don't have a voice. No, they don't. And so to hear you explain that exact same situation here in the Western Hemisphere, um, I think it's important. I just wanted to, to pause there and to f f reflect and give it the honor that it deserves so we can make sure that this doesn't happen again. And if you are in a situation, to let you know that your body is yours and you have a way to get out. So I just want to make, be that, make that clear. <laughs> so... Well, she had migrated to, to New York or someplace upstate, I think it's Poughkeepsie or something like that. Um, she had asked me to seek out from my aunt to see if I could leave from this distressing situation. I wasn't going to school. I was literally being a maid. See if her sister at the time could house me, right? So I think she reached out, or I did, and she was like, yes, and I was very happy to go there because they were um, Christians, her husband was a minister, um, basically. What better place to be? <laughs> yeah, a bigger house, a bathroom inside, I didn't have to be outside mm -hmm. anymore. So you got privacy, safety, yeah. um, religion, and family. Exactly, so I was excited because I already got baptized at 10 right before I left um, the area that I was born where my mom lived and sent me to my grandfather, right? So, 
I was into religion at this point, so church was excited. I wanted to be there, and I moved there. I was excited. But about a year into being there, my, my great-grandmother passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, my... Wait, I just need to stop for a second. Because <laughs> I'm sure, just like the viewers, I'm sitting here, and they're probably sitting at home saying, what in the world were you dealt with? What type of hand were you dealt with in life? You know, because you're sitting here well-dressed, <laughs> well-spoken. Um, you don't look as if you've been through anything horrific that way in which society says you should be looking. And I'm listening to your story, and it's just like another traumatic event after another traumatic event after another traumatic event, but you're still standing tall. So, mm -hmm. so before we even get there, I just needed to acknowledge that because I'm sure some of our viewers at home are wondering the exact same thing and are probably mm -hmm. going, something else? <laughs> yes, something But that's else. what happens sometimes. <laughs> Life just throws you one thing after another after another. So now we're at the point where your, your great-grandmother or grandmother has passed away and yes. you're now with your aunt and uncle. Yes. And um, for some reason... She decided to um, your aunt yes mm -hmm. to leave me with her husband and her and the kids went to country where my great grandmother died because at this point I was in like not Kingston but Spanish Town a more predominant area in Jamaica mm -hmm. so I don't know what it was maybe it was the fair she couldn't afford to take me with her but it didn't matter to me I was okay with being home but then I found out that it didn't matter because the very night that I had to be alone with her husband was, again, another validation that your body is not your body. Because I was asleep when I felt his body on the bed. And I didn't understand. Like, when I said confused, confused. And the touching starts and what he wants to do and how it's going to be. And that night was one that I'll never forget. And not only was it that night, it was the night after, the night after, that led into almost probably two years to the point where I felt like it's normal. Mm. I mean, he would give me money when I'm going to school. So sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, well, maybe I'd encouraged it because now I'm thinking I should have refused the extra lunch money. I and I'm, glad, I'm glad you're saying that for two reasons. One, because you talked about being confused. And yeah. I think a lot of women or a lot of individuals that experience what you're experiencing or talking about right now do find it confusing or are confused and may question why should they confuse. They should know better. Mm -hmm. That there shouldn't be any feeling of confusion. But those type of experiences, sexual trauma or any type of trauma, does come with a level of confusion. Um, and then you moved on to the second part where the, the victimizer starts giving you gifts. Yeah. And then you accept the gifts simply because, you know, you're caught in this still state of confusion and you're not able to work it through. And then accepting of the gifts then compounds the confusion because now, as you are saying, you feel that you are a part of it. But by no means, audience, are you responsible for anything that an abuser does at all? 
whether you accept the gift or not, you are not responsible. So now yeah. you're sitting here and you're talking <laughs> about, you know, um, you felt you took a part of it. Yeah. That you were part of it. I thought I thought I did. But in the midst of it for the two years, it was um, I found somebody that I could trust and tell what was going on. In fact, I had started school, high school at the time, and um, I remember falling asleep in, in class right when it started happening because I, I stayed up fighting with him or dealing with him. So when I get to school, um, one particular particular teacher noticed that um, there was changes with me, how I wasn't responding in class. And so I opened up to him, let him know what was going on. And you know, he encouraged me, sleep with a knife, cut him, do this, do that. But there's, that wasn't in yeah. me. I, did, I wouldn't even know how. Um, but, but to add to that particular time frame that I lived there, I became friends with local um, schoolers who went to school with me, not probably not necessarily the school I went to, but there was kids going to different high schools in that particular housing complex. And I remember I had a study group and um, it was two girls and I think two guys. And we would study together. And I remember one day um, my girlfriends left because they had to go home and just as I'm leaving, um, one of my male friends said to me, no, hang on, I'll help you to do this particular math problem because I see you didn't get it, which I didn't. But I didn't know he had like five guys hidden in the house. Wow. If I tell you what happened that day, I will be lying because it probably was just so traumatic for me that I completely block it. But that much I remember. I remember knowing in my head somehow you had to scream no or yell stop at least three times. And because I didn't do that, I thought, now I can't say that this was sexual assault. That kind of painful memory and, and something that your body has gone through. The more you hold it in, the more it poisons you. You're not broken, that the part of you that wants to heal is stronger than the part of you that's broken. had the study partnership with a few girlfriends and um, maybe two or three guys um, trying to get caught up with math skills we were lacking and because we went to different schools we had different ideas to share and I remember my girlfriends had to leave and which was fine and as I was about to leave one of my friends said oh you stay back I'll help you with this particular you know point in this particular step in the problem whatever it was it was a math problem I remember clearly and um, so I knew I was with him alone, or there was one other guy, if I remember correctly. But unbeknownst to me, there was a group of guys hiding out in the house anyways mm. that I wasn't aware of. I don't think my girlfriends were aware of it either. Not sure if they were hiding out, what they were doing, but his whole point of trying to assist me was to have this group thing going on. Mm. And um, so, I, I honestly blocked out that day because I remember I remember the attack, but I don't remember what happened. Mm. 
So I don't know if something yeah. happened or yeah, not, mm -hmm. but I just blocked it out. But the actual incident is very clear in my head until this day, the house, the room, the guys, their faces. And, um, and, and it's interesting that you talk about blackout because some people say, well, you don't remember? Yeah. Like you, 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 it happened and you don't know what happened, I don't. right? But science basically tells us that we have a built-in safety mechanism, mm -hmm. right? Science tells us that. And science says that the brain has a measure where it helps you, in order for you to be, continue on, it'll black out. It's proven with military officers, it's proven with people who have caught in specific situations. So it's just not isolated to sexual trauma. But oftentimes we as women are not believed because we can't remember the specifics of the event. We know it happened. Mm -hmm. We can tell you who did it, but we just can't tell you step by step by step. And that's the way the brain works to protect ourselves because if we remembered everything that happened to us, then we'd probably be a wreck more than what we already are. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to also tell you, you know, I'm a woman of faith, right? And I firmly believe that everybody has a destiny. And I believe that there is a God and I believe that there's an enemy to God that we know him as Satan, the devil, right? I truly believe that. That is my belief, my core. I believe it to be the truth. And the reason why I'm bringing that into the conversation right now is because destiny is important and the enemy would want to do anything to stop somebody's destiny. Mm -hmm. And I think when I hear people talk about how much trauma they've experienced, because, and I can speak about it from my own personal experience, it's because the enemy took a glimpse into your future <laughs> and was afraid of how much damage you could do to his kingdom, <laughs> right? Because he wants, he, his job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if he ain't doing nothing to steal, he's gonna try to kill you or he's gonna try to destroy you. Now, he may not kill you physically, but he could kill your dreams, he could destroy yes. your life. And that's what it's about. So when I hear stories like yours where it's one thing after the other, it makes me think about that. Now, I wanna switch gears for a moment and bring you to where you are today. Like, how did you get the courage how did you get the stamina? How were you able to be here today, Dr. <laughs> Maloney Hunter? Because there are some people who may experience half of what you've experienced and they are on drugs, they're in jail, they are blaming the abuser. But where did you get the courage? Where did you find the courage? So before I get to the courage, so you remember I mentioned the teacher that I confided in? Yes. So I just wanted to say that teacher ended up abusing me as well. Lord have mercy. So that will be another story, right? As you want me to move on <laughs> into something else. <laughs> so once again, the enemy so. was really trying to destroy her future. Yes. But thanks be to God that he is not successful. He was not successful. And we have her here to hear her story, to help any others out there who may find themselves saying, nothing good ever happens to me. But you can see her right here. Good stuff has happened. Yeah, because I, I, I knew that I had patches because of the gaps that I had in school. And I got very aware of where my future would be, what's going to happen to me. 
And so when I migrated here at 16, they, the high school, even the high school, wanted me to do two grades behind because I didn't come with transcripts because I didn't have one. Because of the abuses, I dropped out of school in Jamaica. So I wasn't in school anymore. So I had nothing to bring forth so I could um, get admitted into a school here. So when they said that, I'm like, there's no way. I'm going to go two grades behind. So I should be in 10th grade. I'm going back to seventh grade. No way. So I decided that I was going to, um, I learned about how you could get your GED or get into an associate degree program. And that's what I did. I jumped on into an associate degree program and did uh, my associate in business. So that automatically um, gave me the high school degree platform. Mm -hmm. And from there, so because of the abuses, I wanted to help others. I wanted I wanted to make other people smile. I wanted to care about other people because I wasn't cared for. So I said I wanted to study psychology so I could read into the minds of what what had caused my uncle or step-uncle to abuse me? What caused all these men to do, the men to do what they were doing? Let me pause you for a second because what you're saying reminds me of a story of two children who've had an alcoholic father. Mm -hmm. And the one child grew up to be successful and the other child grew up not to be successful. And so you asked the first child that was um, not successful, why are you not successful? Because my father was an alcoholic. And then you ask the child, who was successful, why are you successful? And he'll say, because my father was an alcoholic, right? And so there is a difference there that I want you to kind of hone in on about what caused you to choose to be successful in spite of. Just like that child who said, I was successful because my father was an alcoholic. What, what do you think was in you? Do you think you were born with it? Do you think that it was just innate? Was it something in your brain? Did it, was it something that you saw? Like what? Oh my goodness. I think it probably was just in me anyways, mm. even though it was, it, I, the experiences try to remove it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was just there and it stayed there and, and that's what kept me going. That's what pushed me. Do you ever have flashbacks? Do you ever find yourself now, because I want, you know, because in this book you've written a lot of motivational quotes, mm -hmm. right? Do you ever find yourself having flashbacks um, and that could potentially be obstacles? And if so, how do you continue to move past it? Flashbacks. <sighs> so I used to have flashbacks because um, I was married before and um, there was particular touches that would ignite mm. <laughs> sensitivity from my um, uncle and which was what caused basically that marriage to have basically died. I, I'm glad, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm glad, yeah. no, the reason why I want to stop you right here because I think that's important because a lot of women that have experienced half or a portion of all, or all of what you've experienced will find themselves in marriages or relationships and they are sabotaged, mm -hmm. not because they don't love the individual, it's because of what they are experiencing. And then there are some men who aren't able to connect or relate because mm -hmm. they'll say something like, well, I didn't do it to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one. Mm -hmm. Get over it. Mm -hmm. But we know as women, we receive, when we, when we engage in a sexual relationship, 
with a with a man we're receiving all that they're giving to us so we're receptors that's just the way our bodies are built mm -hmm. and so it's very difficult for us to give out when you're taking it all in so when you say your marriage dissolved because of that you know I, I think there's other women out there who um, have experienced that too or are staying in a relationship because they think and they're blaming themselves for feeling the way that they do. Yeah, that's true. But you are married now. <laughs> so to talk married. about, talk about him because <laughs> he is handsome. Yes, he is. And he loves her. I know him. Yeah. And he's not a reminder of any of my traumas or experiences that I've had. Completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, we actually knew each other ever since we were um, in primary school, basic school, kindergarten, you would say here, right? Um, lived in the same community where I grew up before I moved at 10. Mm -hmm. So once I moved at 10, um, for some reason I've lost him. And when I went back, I didn't know where he was. So that's a whole different story in, in itself. And then I migrated, so we disconnected, but and, we've connected. And I think that's where we connect, too, because um, just like your husband um, is not a reminder and he's able to love you back to life, mm -hmm. my husband is the same for me. You know, mm -hmm. he's not a reminder. He loves me back to life. Mm -hmm. um, he pours into me, and I think a lot of men who understand who they are as men, and I'm not, not a man, <laughs> okay, I've never been a man. Don't want to be a man. Love being a woman. Yeah. <laughs> but part of that is knowing how to love love a woman. And, and we always say as women, as I know as my friends, that if a man loves you right, there's nothing I won't do for him or we won't do for him. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. But I want to get to your book. Both of your books, but we'll start with this one. Is there any particular quote in your book that you would like to read for us and then kind of give a, a, a little bit of information about that particular quote? Because these are all original quotes. Mm -hmm. um, and can you just share one and then just share the inspiration behind it? Well, I open it to <laughs> randomly page 14 as you handed it to me. And 52 says, being strong means rejoicing in yourself with who you are and what you are. And the reason I wrote that one, it's just a reminder of myself. Like, I'm not going to wallow in all the pain that I've gone through um, because that's not going to take me anywhere. I had to teach myself how to forgive and move mm. on. And even with my aunt's husband, I forgave him. We still speak. We're very cordial with each other. I'm still friendly Ooh, with wait, my wait, aunt. Wait, 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 wait. Because I know, I know they're at home doing that. I know they are doing that at home. I mean, just wait, I'll just, wait, let me drink some water. Okay. I just I had, to, I had to take a minute. Woo! Y'all ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, let me, let me, let me get. So you said forgive and you're cordial to the abuser. Because mm -hmm. I know some people out there are like this. <laughs> yeah, right. Not me. No way. Oh, no, no, no. So, so let, we, we have to stop there because I know many a people who would be like, oh, no, that is not happening. Um, that is not happening. So, um, so. Tell me how. Tell me how. How, how do I forgive? 
Yeah, highly, yes. Because that's, that is critical. Mm -hmm. And how are you in the room with, with dude? Well, if I didn't forgive him, then I'll be holding myself hostage. But how? And I didn't want to. How? I forgave him because I think that something probably was going on with him that he didn't know about or he... I just put it on him. Mm -hmm. I've learned to not take ownership of it at all. Mm -hmm. So once I did that was when I learned how to forgive him, mm -hmm. not taking ownership of, of what happened because I would started to take an ownership of it. And I think I found myself being upset, mm -hmm. being angry, and I had to figure it out. And that's the best way I could explain mm -hmm. it to you. So I heard you say you didn't make any excuses for his behavior. No. You didn't excuse his behavior. No. Right? You acknowledged that it happened, mm -hmm. but it wasn't because of anything that you did. Mm -hmm. It's because of who he is and his stuff. Yes. And so understanding that and releasing that That's what I allowed to you to forgive him for who he is. Yes. And for what he did. Yes. So how are you in the room with him? How can you be in the room with him? I'm in the room with him every time I go to a family reunion. I'm in the, I'm in the room with him every time I go to Canada. Mm -hmm. I'm in the room with him every time I'm around my cousins. And he speaks to me like you're speaking to me mm -hmm. now. Um, in 2010, though, um, I sat with him when that book came out and they found out and it was the first time my cousins knew what he did, even though they knew because... So stop there. So this book, because I didn't, I didn't, I said we were going <laughs> to learn about this book a little bit later. So you want to give a quick synopsis of what this book is about? A Caribbean twist? Well, a Caribbean twist is a oh, synopsis. Oh, A Caribbean twist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have an American tongue. A Caribbean twist, but a Caribbean twist. That's just a book I wrote to express myself about that particular experience. But I wanted to bring it back to the starting point of why it happened from 10 on up. Mm -hmm. So I went back, captured most of what I've expressed to you, and talk about the incident in its entirety in that book. So I thought with courtesy, I wanted to have my grown cousins know what's coming out because they weren't children. Mm. So I don't want it to be shocking to them that their father did this because their father is still a minister and their mom is still very... <laughs> she, what? what? Yeah, a minister? He's still a minister. Lord Jesus, <laughs> let us pray. <laughs> So we know that there are a lot of priests in a lot of different religions who have been guilty of what we're talking about today. Um, that doesn't mean that they are representative of the religion or faith that you are um, subscribed to. It just means that they are humans with flaws who believe in the same thing that you believe in. So we're not going to put it where, oh, see us a minister, that's why I don't believe in that faith or that's why I don't believe in that one. If you follow a man, you're subject to a lot of um, imperfections. And this one just happens to be an imperfect man who happens to be, let us pray, Jesus, a minister. <laughs> but that does, that's not an indictment against all ministers. It's just him. I want to be very clear about that. It's just him. Um, 
So, um, what are you working on now? We're just gonna move, you know, what are you working on now? What are you doing now? If someone wanted to get in contact with you, reach out to you, could they? Or what is it that you would like to say to our um, audience? You can speak right into that camera and let them know what you would like to say from your heart. From my heart, I just want to say that Regardless of what you're going through or your obstacles, use them to help you or to propel you in life. Do not take on the blame or own anything that has happened in any way, shape, or form. I understand it has to be dealt with. It will, there will be times when there is reminder of it, but just stay strong and stay positive about what's happening currently in your life. Kind of put the past in the rear and keep it in the rear and help, and it can help you to move forward. went down a very rural street and pulled off the road and went about 50 to 100 yards into the woods. He dragged me out of the car with a belt around my neck. I was raped by a guy. I was ashamed. And it was my fault. Of course, now I know it wasn't. You got to believe that what happened to you wasn't your fault. And then you can make that transition to being a survivor. audience members would like to reach out to you. Is there contact information that you can give us? Well, that could be devdov at yahoo.com. That's D as in dog, E as in egg, V as in victor, D as in dog, O as in octopus, V as in victor <laughs> at yahoo.com. So that's devdove at yahoo.com. <laughs> devdove at yahoo.com. And these two books, we can find a Caribbean twist um, in bookstores. Mm -hmm. In a bookstore near you, maybe, but in some bookstores. And then her other book, Motivation is the Key, can be found and purchased on Amazon. And with that being said, I would like to thank everyone for joining us today on the Ask Dr. Riley show. Once again, if you are experiencing any type of sexual trauma, if any of this story resonates with you, please make sure you go out and get help. We'll post information up later right after this so that you can reach out it is my heartfelt desire that you are strong successful and you can live your best life thank you see you next time peace out welcome, welcome to the dr riley show next time on ask dr riley guest maia munjan oriel talks about her experience with date rape so i stand up to get ready to leave and he stands up with me like he, like if he was going to walk me to the door and as I stepped to go to walk towards him, like past him, he grabs me and put, throws me down on the floor. And he um, starts to take my clothes off. I'm your host, Dr. Anissa Riley.